Hi, Bree. Hi. Welcome to the Review Podcast. I'm Anthony. And I'm Bree. And this is a podcast in which we review movies. And we- then we review. Oh, movies. yes, we do. We. Uh, choose a movie at least one of us has watched at least one time and then we give it a watch and we gab about it we just talk about it we have the gift of gab oh yeah maybe not for this movie though oh no (laughs) i don't know (laughs) i'm gonna be like i'm gonna be nice i'm gonna be nice you gotta be nice you weren't being very nice earlier no i wasn't watching it like i was getting heated a little bit like in our discussion (laughs) earlier like post movie we were we were were having a tit for tat over here and i was like i'm gonna fight you i think i'm just gonna fight you i'm gonna fist fight you right here and i would win a fist fight listen hands down would win a fist fight listen we're gonna fist fight and then in the middle of our fight it's just gonna start raining frogs oh because shit just happens and that's that's the moral of the story um anyway um the movie my parents have sold their house oh in the middle of like right 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 now now? oh cool uh do you do you want to give deets oh sure um my parents have like they're ready to they're i guess all the the chickadees have flown the nest in the past few years so like my older sister my younger sister and my older brother we've all have our own houses with our significant others and my parents are in this big house and unfortunately within the span of like a couple months my parents lost two of their three dogs so they only have one dog left and so they wanted to downsize so they my dad got a settlement because he's permanently disabled um, after, a f- I think it's been like, what, three, four years, he finally got a settlement Yeah. Um, for his disability. Um, so they got like a big lump sum of money. They decided they're going to pay off their mortgage and they're fixing up the house and they're selling it. And my parents were so worried that they weren't going to sell their house. Because the interest rates just went up. Yeah, you were telling me about their concern. Of, like they put the house on the market for two days, and they and weren't. They, they weren't getting, getting any a bite. And I said, "Mom, you put it on the market on a Wednesday evening." I was like, "No one's looking at houses till Friday." Mm-hmm. I was like, "People are working." They got seven viewings today. They got an offer, um, like at their price, nice. and they. I think they just accepted it. They're like, yeah, just, yeah. Who cares? Get it, get it, get it done. And. They put an offer on a house over the, like, and they should know by Sunday if they got their offer accepted. Um, They're paying cash, so their offer should be the one that gets accepted. Oh, yeah. I mean, people love cash. And now now it's not, now they can make the deal even sweeter because it's not going to be contingent on them selling their house. So now that they've sold their house, um, it makes the deal even sweeter for this guy because now it's not contingent on them selling. They've mm-hmm. already sold. And so now they just have to get like all the. Got to get the paperwork done. Yeah. Got to get the lawyers involved. Man, I remember when we bought our house and I was like on the email chain with our our realtor, our lawyer, and then the other person's realtor and the other person's lawyer I, because I just... they weren't responding. So I remember our uh lawyer's office because we weren't talking directly to our lawyer or with our lawyer it was like the lawyer's assistant or somebody that worked in the law office and um i remember them like the stress of it because we had like only a specific amount of time to close and they were not responding to us 
and they accepted the offer, but they weren't accepting the, the clear close. And like, it wasn't anything like that was contentious. It was just, they weren't getting back to us. And I was like, pins and needles trying to, you know, figure out what, what, what the next steps would be, but it ended up all working out for us. And now we're, we're living in this beautiful home, Brie, that's sinking to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just excited for my parents because I know they just wanted to leave. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's good for them. Bittersweet, though, because now they're going to be even farther away. Mm-hmm. That sucks. Um, I mean, I mean, it's doable. It's, and, it's honestly, it's still it, doable. Let's be realistic. How 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 many years we have in this house? How many years? I if I'm gonna put a number on how many years we have in our current house, I'm gonna say no more than ten. I would agree. Yeah, I said at max ten because. Okay, we've been in this house for a couple years already. And that, well, two years this it, year. It'll be two years in August, yeah. Two years in, in August. And then we're getting married this year. Mm-hmm. A baby will be made next year. <laughs> a baby will be produced in, the, <laughs> and a, then, in, in 2023 at and some then point. In 2024, we'll probably be born. Yes, that that's the goal, right? Like that's, Yeah. Well, because do you mind me saying your plan or do you uh, keep I, it? I got it I, oh yeah you go for it. i want you go, go i want i want to time my pregnancy so that i get the longest summer possible with my baby you know what i mean maternity leave maternity, leading into summer like, break i want to go on maternity leave right as we hit like right before summer break so i just have an extended summer break so i get a lot of bonding time with our baby mm-hmm. and then anthony will get some time off paternity and i'll be done with my masters too and, so like well i'll be long gone with the masters by then but, but you'll get paternity leave it might not be long long at all but no i i don't think the paternity leave is very long that's why your mom is i'm mo- not sure what your mom are. is moving in this house because i will go insane. oh she knows i will go insane yeah. She knows. I will lose all I was my just hair. Talk, I was just talking to her over the weekend about that stuff. And she's like, she's like, I know with you and Brie, like, I'm going to be all over that baby. Oh, and yeah. I was like, I was like, guess well, sweet. Come on in. <laughs> come on I was on like, Brie, Brie and I would like to go to dinner. <laughs> I'm not going to leave this house. For I, I just know. I was like, I don't want to think badly about pregnancy, but like, it scares me beyond belief mm-hmm. because your body changes forever. That's scary. That's like a horror movie. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 real life body horror. I'm like, oh my gosh, my I'm not gonna say. Anything. I remember watching. So when I was a kid, because I used to be like, when I was a kid, I was always into movies, right? Like as you can tell, I'm very much like a a big big movie fanatic. And when I was a kid, I was always into movies. So when I was in like the sixth, seventh, eighth grade, I started like trying to be more mature about my movie, you know, exposure. Yeah. So my idea of more mature was seeing like rated R movies when they came out. I remember going with my mom when I was like in the sixth or seventh grade or something like that. And we saw the movie Knocked Up. Judd Apatow's Seth Rogen comedy knocked uh, up. That was your, I want to be sophisticated. I've seen so, listen, so I want to oh, yeah, the most yeah. vulgar movie yeah. and mm-hmm. most unsophisticated movie that they released that year. I thought I thought when I was in like the sixth and seventh grade that I was like so mature seeing these rated R movies. I remember like 
I really, I was like in a big Judd Apatow phase where it was like all of his movies. Like I was like, I was in love with like that brand of comedy. And I remember going to see Knocked Up with my mom, which was awkward. And, and also, and also, I want to. Um, and I saw do the stark contrast. Oh, go ahead. Of what you were going and seeing with your mom versus what I was going to go see with my Did mom. Did you see Fifty Shades of Grey with your mom? No, I saw, uh, went and saw Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Oh, honey. And I went and saw Black Swan. I saw Black Swan with my mom, but it was okay. Like it wasn't awkward because my mom and I had promised each other that we would go see all of the oscar movies together the oscar nominated movies that year black swan just happened to be one of them and you know what we we watched it and we didn't talk about it and we, just we didn't talk about this that you know that the the sexual nature of that movie and we were just like i think this is a contender for the academy award and yeah you know i think this is a contender um but yeah i, I remember seeing um funny people judd epitaph's funny people with my mom as well and my mom walked out of that movie um because she was just like i couldn't sit there with you and be comfortable watching that movie because it was like so many like dick and fart jokes <laughs> <laughs> i and i think funny people is a fine movie and it was on my uh it, it was in my cue zone for um thinking about what i wanted to pick with the adam sandler series funny people was up there and then i thought that's not really in the theme the theme uh area of what i wanted to discuss with the adam sandler series maybe one day funny people um it's a long movie too man oh, please stop knack. making me watch <laughs> long movies i'm so tired of it so anthony and i have this like this difference in opinion when it comes to movies, I have a slight, t t a tingle of the, of the ADHD and Anthony does not experience this. I can I, sit through a three hour movie and be perfectly okay. And I get restless leg syndrome halfway through if the pacing is not that of action every other second. What do you think of Avatar? I it's been such a long i only watched it once i saw avatar in theaters twice and i walked out the second time because i couldn't sit there for long that long anymore okay so i i went and saw that with my mom and my dad and we went to go to movie co first but movie co was sold out so we had to go to the cinemark in melrose park mm -hmm. which is in not our typical like our it's not in your suburb. It's not in my suburb. It's not in your Q zone. Right? And so it was like a new place and we were in a huge theater and there was a lot of movie talkers mm -hmm. in that movie. Um, it was a once in a lifetime experience <laughs> and I vowed at that moment, I was like, I'm never going to watch this movie again. I will never watch Avatar. When we talk once, about... I just like, I don't... I guess I... Just, I, 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 don't, I don't get don't, it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't fucking care. I just don't care about this world. I'm going to go on the ride on, at Animal Kingdom when we go. I'm going to go on that ride. I'm going to go on that and ride. And I'm going to see the naked blue guys. Yeah. With their little with their little testicle tails. I was going to say sex tails, but <laughs> <laughs> same thing. Testy tails. And, um, I, yeah, when we talk a lot about, like, we've mentioned it before on the podcast of movies that we will, we, we have sworn never to cover on the review podcast yours was do you remember 
I'm never gonna watch Drive. Ah, oh, God, I'm I never hate gonna you. Watch, I hate you. I, you got me to watch Drive once. There you go. Listen, I hyped up Drive for like four years. He was you. like, "Oh my God, you gotta watch Drive. <laughs> I love Drive. You gotta watch Drive." And I was like, "Fine." I might do a solo podcast about Drive. And if you're I, not gonna watch it with me, I might do a solo one about it. I, he finally gets. I me might to also sit do down. solo a Star Wars story. Shush. Um, he finally gets me to sit down and watch it. And he's like looking at me, you know, like when you wa- like make someone watch something that you really like. I was like, like watching it. your he's reaction. He's like watching my reaction. I'm just like, ah, oh, shit, I don't like it. So <laughs> not, I know we're, you know, we're going off tangents and we're changing subjects off and we'll, we'll rotate back to what we were discussing with Avatar. But I remember uh, a couple weeks back, I saw the movie, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent with Nicholas, the Nicholas Cage movie where he plays himself. And in the beginning of the movie, he's in therapy with his daughter and his daughter's like, he made me watch this like weird German horror movie from the 1930s. And Nicolas Cage is like the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which is a great horror movie. And she's like, she's like, I, he didn't even let me enjoy it. He just kept telling me why I should like it. <laughs> and I was like, I feel so called out. And right that's now. what you do. Oh, like yeah. you're like. <laughs> looking at me like oh do you like this part look at that lateral tracking shot I, oh man you got mad at me today when we were I'm watching like, oh, magnolia shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always stop when i see a let because i appreciate the lateral tracking shot so much that oh i hit the mic um that boom, boom. i appreciate the lateral tracking shot so much that every time i see it in a movie that we watch i go it's a great lateral tracking shot and she at the, today she told me to shut up. <laughs> I was like, oh, shut up with your lateral tracking shots. I just I feel like I I went into so Anthony had preface. He's like, Brie, like. Well, can we go back to Avatar first? Sure. Um, the sequel to Avatar is coming out. I ain't gonna out. see it. I ain't gonna. No, I'm I'll not... see it because I have uh, a list. But I ain't sitting through that. Do we? We don't know how long it's gonna be. No, I ain't sitting through. If it's longer than two hours i ain't sitting through it it's probably longer than it's probably two like hours. four hours <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'm not spending half a day watching avatar well i mean we did that with the snyder cut which is the other movie that we said i would never, never watch we're it. never watching it again um i mean not that it's bad but we i came we came home from work we started it <laughs> and we did not finish till it was like late at night it I was, was like, an exhausting experience i was watching like that. i am never watching this again and like, there's rarely things I'm like, I would never watch it again. I've watched Despicable Me uh, today again for like the millionth bajillion times. I've seen the B movie about 15 times. And I'm like, I these kids, first ever time, my, all my first graders shut up for like more than 10 minutes at a time. Has, were, there, has there been a movie, not to interrupt you, but has there been a movie that we've reviewed on the podcast, excluding this one? that you just are like i'm never gonna watch that movie again or would you be open to reviewing the reviewed movies i don't know if i'd watch boogie nights again yeah that's fair i think boogie like i probably wouldn't watch boogie nights for another maybe like eight years like i could watch i could even suffer through robert zombert again yeah i i don't know maybe not the second one but i'm like "Mm, i don't know if i'd watch and i guess it's it's I, it's a problem with me. It's my attention span. My attention span is not good. Yeah, and, I pulled you into these two and a half hour, three I know, hour and long I'm like, movies. Dude, like I watch like ninety minute films. 
Well, you'll be happy to know that the next movie on our Paul Thomas Anderson list is Punch Drunk Love, and it's not, uh, PTA challenged himself to make a 90-minute movie. Oh, thank God. Yeah. That's my favorite time. And it's... Okay, so I'm going to... Sp- I'm just going to... No, sp- don't spoil. No, I'm... I'm Yes, I'm going to spoil. No. I'm going to say that, like... I And I, again, we have to review it, but I'm going to say... I'm going to predict that... And I'm not making a decision, but I'm going to predict that's going to be my movie to put on the list. And everybody says... Everybody says... Oh, Boogie Nights is Paul Thomas Anderson's masterpiece. Magnolia is Paul Thomas Anderson's masterpiece. I'm gonna th- I don't know. I really love... I remember last time I saw it, I really loved Punch Drunk Love. And re-watching the movie that we're, we watched today, that we're reviewing Snore. right now on the podcast, um, Magnolia. Snore. Paul Thomas Anderson's 1999 three-hour epic drama film... Um, I don't even know how to describe this monster I, okay, of a film. I will, I will describe it. In, yeah, go ahead, in please. The, in the way I... Um, poorly paced. Dull. Boring. Oh, you're going to piss a lot. You're pissing a lot of people off. I, pretentious, I would agree with. I just... Okay. What Without getting into the minutiae yet of the movie... Your general... Like, you've given us your general thoughts. Yes. Go on. Please, piss the rest of the audience off. Okay, you gotta understand. I am the action, like, lady. Like, that's what I like. If you're not holding my attention, and I have to actually pay attention to, like, a boring scene between just two people for, like, ten minutes, snooze. No thanks. So you're telling me you didn't like Dear Evan Hansen in the, uh, the... What oh god, what's the song that the mom sings that Julianne Moore sings at the oh end? Oh my god, the movie was horrible. Holy mother of god. It was horrible. I like okay, so we I'm I guess it's not spoilers I'm not gonna spoil anything, but from Dear Evan Hansen. No, for, for from Ma- Doctor Strange that we watched. That was oh. a long movie. Yes. Doctor Strange was a long movie. I was not bored the entire time. But it was your good. so this is where we're getting into your complaints with Magnolia. I was okay with watching my complaints about Dr. Strange are the reasons I like are the it. reasons you liked Dr. Strange. I am okay with Magnolia being kind of slower paced and being very long that lost your attention. However, when we walked out of Dr. Strange last I week, was like, yeah, you were like, you were like, I loved how fast it was. I said, mm, I think that's my major criticism of the movie is that it it never had a chance to slow down. The audience was always, you know, and that's what, okay. There. And it, it's my attention span. Mm-hmm. If you want to keep me engaged, I guess it's the same way they engage like young people. I got a young person brain, I guess. I guess because everything Mentally comes at like you brain. It's one of those things where it, it's. I think it's our generation and the generation below us where. We have everything at our fingertips all the time. So, like, our attention spans are really short. The only time I can focus is when I'm reading a book. Mm-hmm. Any other time... Or, like, doing my job. Yeah. I can't focus during a movie or TV show. That's why I like Impractical Jokers. Well, we were talking about this in my grad class um, the other day where we were discussing, like, what students would... if If you get kids to meet for the first time or they're working on group work for the first time and you get them to discuss 
like to get to know the, each other, like their similarities and their differences, what kind of questions would they like? And one uh, teacher goes, well, high schoolers would probably say, and, and like middle schoolers, who's your favorite YouTuber? And we were having a discussion about like, it used to be, what's your favorite movie or like, what's your favorite TV show? And now it's condensed solely down to who's your favorite YouTuber because that's the most available and the shortest amount of time spent absorbing content. You I don't can do, know. You I can don't, do a lot in a little time. I don't enjoy YouTube. I don't either. I Well, especially because like kids watch people playing pe what they watch other people play video games instead of playing video games. It's like whatever <laughs> floats your boat. Like just but... just play the game. Um, which I am critical of, even though we did stream on Twitch for a short period of time last that's year. That's because I'm charming as hell. So, mm -hmm. yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into Magnolia. Magnolia, Paul Thomas Anderson's 1999 three hour long epic about coincidences. Major theme of the movie here coincidences. is shit happens for no reason. Um, we have a pretty big ensemble cast. Mm -hmm. um, to list a few off the top of my head, because we watched the movie literally, um, I don't know, 30 minutes ago we finished. Yeah, we were planning on recording this tomorrow, but then we looked at each other and like, want to knock it out? Because Kaido has a hair appointment tomorrow. He's getting his nails. Ba baby's first haircut. His first haircut. He's getting his nails done and his ears clean. So I'm trying to think of the cast off the top of my head. We have... Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore. We have Tom Cruise. We have Philip Seymour Hoffman. Hoffman. Um, oh, God. William H. Macy. William H. Macy. John C. Riley. Um, Philip Baker Hall. We have... Uh, I'm missing some people, probably. Right? Yeah, maybe. Nobody that's... Patton Oswald's in it for, like, a half a scene. <laughs> um, yeah, so... It's a, it's a Clark Gregg. Clark Gregg's in it. He's the cameraman. So yeah, so we got a pretty big cast here. Pretty big ensemble. We focus cast. on just a few different stories. Um, well, every character has their own story, and similarly to a movie like Valentine's Day, but Valentine's I can't believe we're Day even is more entertaining. I can't believe we're even comparing the two. I feel like Valentine's but Day is the superior movie. In an ensemble film similar to Valentine's Day or New Year's Eve our characters are eventually all going to intertwine their stories. They're eventually going to meet each other. You know, everybody's kind of in some way, shape, or form related to one another in, in different and odd ways. But our main theme here... Well, we have a couple main themes of this movie is, like, they start off talking about how some things are just coincidences and there are things that happen and people are in the right place at the right time and sometimes things just happen and there's re there really just is no logical explanation for how things happen another theme that we see persist throughout the entire movie is the past comes back to bite you yes. or they mention it like it had to be four or five times the book says the past is, uh, you may be done with the past, but the past isn't done with you. And our third major theme here is the sins of the parents coming back to bite the children or like how the kids tend to suffer from their parents, you know, bad things that they've done in their lives. Mm -hmm. And we see that 
uh, play out with a couple of our different stories with uh, the whiz kid, Donnie, how his parents stole his money when he was a kid. And that kind of leads him to where he's at. Um, uh, Frank and his dad reconciling a little bit. Um, and then we see that with Stanley, the the new whiz kid, the, the little smart kid who pees his pants. Which that's like the most upsetting storyline for yeah. me. Um, so we got a lot going on in, in this, uh, in, in this movie. So Paul Thomas Anderson, a little background history into this movie from what I can remember, cause I'm a little unprepared for this one. Um, shot the movie on a, around $30 million budget. It releases in 1999. It's pretty big success. Um, people go see it. Critics love it. And, uh, it makes around $44 million. So it's a pretty good success. Now, coming off of Boogie Nights, which was a massive hit and a massive success, put PTA on the map. Mm -hmm. Coming off of Boogie Nights, the studio had said, blank check. Do what you want, Paul Thomas Anderson. We trust you. you. You gave us Boogie Nights. We trust you. Write your script. Do what you want. Give us a number for the budget. And you have final say in the editing room. And he was like, great, I will never get an opportunity like this again. And then he wrote Magnolia, a three-hour movie about pretty much nothing. <laughs> um, he wrote it, he wanted it to be this big epic about the San Fernando Valley. And he wanted to deal with themes like regret and themes like um, that idea of the parents' sins coming back to the kids. Which I think he has some unresolved issues with his yes. own parents. So, Paul Thomas Anderson, his dad was a television producer. And he spent a lot of time on TV sets when he was in his youth. Similar to how Earl Partridge is a television producer and kind of has a falling out with his son Frank. Um, or his son Jack. Uh, I think we can see a lot of the similarities there with the characters. Um, so PTA starts writing this movie and Tom Cruise has just seen Boogie Nights and he calls Paul Thomas Anderson and he says, whatever you're doing next, I want in. Write me a role. And PTA is like, cool, gotcha. And Cruise was, um, the story goes that Cruise was pretty, um, pretty on board with kind of crafting this character of, of Frank Maxey and um, he got to choose what he wore. He got to choose the hairstyle. He got to choose uh, and improvise some of his lines, which Paul Thomas Anderson normally does not allow his actors to do. You stick to the script. But you know that there's the uh, line when uh, Tom Cruise's character finally goes to his dad's house and the dogs come up and he's like, that dog comes near me. I'm drop kicking it. Like, that was an improvised line from Tom Cruise because he felt that that was in the interest of the character. PTA was like, I got you, Tom Cruise. Like, you're on board. So, um, Tom Cruise, very, very heavy-handed in crafting that character and kind of forming Frank Maxey to be the Frank Maxey we see um, in the movie. Tom Cruise ends up winning a Golden Globe for Best Actor. He really put his whole um, Tom Cruise-y in there. I think Tom Cruise has the best performance of the and I think the movie has a lot of really good performances. I also think the movie has a lot of uh, over the top performances. We'll say, and I think Tom Cruise, you know, especially like I think where what hit me for like what 
why Tom Cruise really earned that Golden Globe award was when he gets caught in the interview and he starts getting caught in the lies. And I wrote down in my notes, um, you can kind of see his body language change. And it's like a subtle, very nuanced, like character decision that he makes where it's like, now I just got caught in my lies. And now I go from relaxed and charismatic to on edge and tense and defensive. Um, and that, that I think that's a really cool subtlety in acting that is like blink and you'll miss it. But it's very, very good. Um, who is your favorite character in the movie? I hated them all. Oh, they're all despicable. They're all they're horrible. They're all horrible. Because I'm like, okay, you know, like... I love Julianne Moore, but I hate her character. I, I think Julianne Moore at, overacted that part. But then we had a conversation that it might have been the direction she was given for the character. Julianne Moore is phenomenal in just about everything. So it's she's like in. it might just have been the direction. She was kind of like over the top. Where I felt like Julianne Moore was over the top was her interaction with the lawyer. The lawyer and the pharmacist. The pharmacist, too. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I get it. Like, Anthony and I were sitting next to each other. She brings this, like, a stack of prescriptions, like, things for the for the pharmacy. And I, was, I looked at Anthony. I was like, come on, Julianne. You take one or two to each to a couple different pharmacies so you don't ha they don't call your doctor to check. What are, you, what are you doing? It's like your first time doing a drug heist? Mm-hmm. What are you doing? I thought um, I liked Philip Seymour Hoffman's character the most. I felt like he was the most well-natured out of... Oh, he killed the dog. An accident. That was a complete accident. He got s startled by everything going on in that situation. That was a complete accident. I don't know. I, won't, I don't forgive him. Um, but the rest of them suck. The rest of these characters, they suck. They're terrible. <laughs> uh, you're not. I don't think you're supposed to like any of them. No, and I think that's part of what PTA might have wanted to. I get mean, except out the little this. boy. Like he didn't do anything. Yeah, the little boy was cool, um, but everybody else is just god awful. And I think what Paul Thomas Anderson is trying to do is give us a kind of a day in the life sort of story, where people are going through issues, but like they're not terribly bad issues, right? Like there's bigger things going on in the world like these are very like privileged problems that we're going through because we kind of went through like okay so like donnie's problem this right. is this is the 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 guy who, and we're gonna go through every yeah. character let's well let's start with every sure character. before we before we go on so um where was i in the background stuff i don't remember um Tom Cruise wins his award, and Magnolia's uh, got some critical acclaim to it. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson gets nominated for an Academy Award for Best Screenplay, um, which I think uh, deservedly so. That I think the the writing in this movie is pretty good. Um, just the way like you have all of these characters, and you're building up to these like emotional intensity scenes, and in your it, splicing it in with all of these different characters. Um, there's There was a subplot that was cut from the movie. And I'm going to tell you, and it's probably going to make so much sense as to why something in the movie made absolutely no sense. Um, do you remember them talking about the worm in the movie? Do you remember them mentioning worm? 
No, she's shaking her head. This is a audio <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, I'm looking at you like, uh, I don't remember five minutes ago. Okay, so at the one of the very first scenes in the movie is John C. Riley's character um, barging into the, this woman's house or this woman's apartment, right? And he finds the dead body. And then they just don't really mention that at all. And there's like one scene where they keep met, like they uh, show Marcy, the woman who, uh, whose apartment that was, like in the police lineup or getting her mugshot taken. And the police keep mentioning Worm. Do you know Worm? Do you know Worm? You probably were you not paying. Oh attention no, to I that? remember that now. Yeah. Um. Well, it's never followed up with like at all so that makes absolutely no sense unless you know that the worm subplot was cut from the final draft of the movie um so they were supposed to go into a storyline where well marcy the woman that owns the con or that's living in the condominium or the apartment or whatever they find that dead body now, who who is that and why is that dead body there? Like, it's never followed up on. But the kid, the little kid who starts rapping to John C. Riley, he tells the story in the song and he talks about the worm. And what we're supposed to gather is that the guy in the closet was Marcy's husband. The worm is Marcy's son. The little kid is the worm's son. So Marcy's grandson and the worm killed Marcy's husband. And that was like this, the little subplot of that. But they never took out the mentioning of the worm. So like none of that makes sense. Question for you. Yeah. I thought, well, not so much as a question, but when you're like, oh, something's going to make sense. I was like, oh, they're finally good. There was a subplot where these fucking frogs make sense. No, the, the frogs always make no sense. No, the frogs direction. always make no sense. Um, because I told you what's the, what's the theme of the movie? Sometimes things just happen. Sometimes things just happen. But also like the frog thing is hinted at in, so the, the kid who raps to John C. Riley, I had told you like, did you listen to that rap at the end of the movie? I was like, did you, do you remember that rap? And you're like, no, I couldn't understand what the kid was saying. And... The rap tells the entire story because there's a lot of biblical references in the movie and he, the kid mentions he's a prophet in the movie, in the rap song. So he's kind of predicting what's going on and he tells the story of the worm and killing the husband. Like that's all told in that rap. It's just nobody listens to that kid. Um, he also mentions in that rap that I wrote down the, the, what he says um geez where does it uh god um oh he said when sunshine won't work god will bring rain so i think we're to assume looking deeply into the movie it's like all these characters suck right like they're all terrible and they're making such horrible decisions that in order for them to get better that needs a literal act of god to make them change because once that happens like everything kind of mellows out does yeah. that make sense yeah because everything starts to mellow out and the characters start to communicate with each other a little bit more and they start making better decisions um so 
I think the idea is that I don't know if it was a biblical reference that it's like it takes an act of God to get people to change or that it is just part of the theme of the movie that sometimes the unexplainable just happens. So what do you think? I mean, either way, I I guess like, (laughs) you know how I feel about this movie. I think it was trying too hard. I would, agree, I would agree with you, though, that I think the movie is pretentious. I, I think the movie is super pretentious. I, I think Paul Thomas Anderson, while he, he's a great director, and I think the movie... What, what are you pointing at? Your water bottle. Can I have it? Oh, yeah. I don't know what you were pointing at. You were pointing at, like, our wall. I thought there was a spider on the wall or something. No. She was pointing at my water bottle because she wanted some water. Um, again, audio motive. <laughs> and... <laughs> Um, I didn't want to. I didn't want to distract y'all on the on the pod. I I am part. I was gonna cough. So, so let's get into. Well, uh, what was I saying before I don't you know. interrupted me? You talk me. a lot. <laughs> I love you. Um, you were talking about biblical stuff. Um, no, I lost my train of thought. So continue. I lost my train of thought. Oh God. I. <laughs> Sorry, I coughed anyway, and I had water. I really, I want to go through my my vision for this and how I compartmentalize this film was by each individual person's story. And I think that's the way you got to do it. Because... Oh, no. I remember what I was saying. I'm going to interrupt you. Okay, go ahead. Because you made me lose my train of thought and now I remembered. I think the movie is well directed. Oh, we were talking about how it was pretentious. Yes. We were talking about how it's pretentious. <laughs> I think the movie is well directed, albeit... I think Julianne Moore is over-directed. Um, I think it's shot really well. I love the lighting in the movie to give it like a realistic feel. It's like almost... It, it's to uh, simulate natural lighting and, and to make everything feel like you're there. Um, I like all that stuff. I don't necessarily like the story. I don't think there is a story to tell. So Anthony was like telling me about this before we sat down. Like I was, making, I've, I've been trying to prep you for this yeah, movie for like weeks. I was making dinner, and he was like, "Just you know, like, like this is what when I first watched it. This is what I thought. Like maybe I just didn't get it." Well, was, okay, yeah. So let me let me tell that story really. Well, quick. no, I that's, I pretty much summed it up. You said you saw it in high school, and when you saw it the first time you thought you were like dumb because you just and thought you just didn't get it and i was like watching like the first like 10 15 minutes of it and i was like no like i get it it's just pretentious it thinks it's more than it is i watched this movie initially in high school and i watched it when i was in my junior year as i was kind of evolving my uh from Exper- dick and fart jokes yeah. to the art house. I was I was trying to get into the art house a little bit more, and I um I watched Boogie or no yeah well I watched Boogie Nights first, and then I went into Magnolia, and I watched it on a Sunday afternoon on my computer laying in my bed, and I remember getting to that frog scene, and I was just like. Am I dumb? Like, do I do I just not understand this, or is this just not for me? And that's why I was eager to give it a review. And like, there's a method to my madness why I chose this movie, even though I don't necessarily like this movie. Um, there's a method to my madness here, and I, I wanted to give it the rewatch. And you've never seen it before, and I wanted to get your perspective on it. Um, 
I did. I didn't. I didn't think I. I. I had told you that I didn't like the movie particularly on my first viewing of it, but I was willing to give it a retry because it's been so long since I've seen it that maybe my perspective would change. It did not. I still don't get it. <laughs> and I, I still think, am I, th I too dumb for no, this? No, I think I get it. I just, I think it's just dumb. Um, you think the movie's dumb? I just think he, I, I don't want to say like someone's like trying too hard, but it's like when you have like unfiltered creativity and no oh, sometimes one, it does come back to bite directors no one, in the butt and no one to like check you on it. Mm -hmm. It's like, what did you just make? Like this makes no damn sense. Yeah, it's yeah. like or it's like the peer review process, or like it makes sense, but like it's not very good. I think someone needed to just say, "Hey, like it doesn't need to be this long, and maybe you should pick up the pace here a little bit, and maybe like get rid of the frog stuff." No, I think the frog stuff's good. I think you could have done the same thing with a really heavy downpour with hail. Hail's still an but active fro god. Frogs are biblical, and I think he might have been going for biblical. Frogs are there. There's a number of references to Exodus. Take the water, that please take the water if you're just gonna stare at it and interrupt the pod. Um, so I there's um a lot of references to the book of Exodus in the movie, and Exodus I can't remember the verse or whatever, but it mentions how Moses. God tells Moses to go to Pharaoh and tell them that there will be a plague in Egypt and it will start with a raining of frogs. I read the Bible mm -hmm. when I was really into Catholicism. Yeah. Yeah. I, I It's coming back to me now. Uh, why, yeah, did I, why did I voluntarily read the Bible? I don't know. I taught. I taught yeah. theology. So like I know that stuff and I don't remember the verse in the chapter specifically, but I, I remember the plagues and I know that there, I mean, they mentioned the, the book of Exodus about three different times in this movie. So I'm, I have reason to assume that this is a biblical reference, the reigning of frogs, or it's Paul Thomas Anderson saying like, <laughs> fuck you all. I'm just going to add <laughs> something in here that makes absolutely no sense. And you guys are going to have to have fun interpreting it. <laughs> so the character I would like to start with, I think it's either between the kid or Donnie. Oh, interesting choice to start with. I want to start with like the more like under relatable characters, like the ones that are less on the fringe of like okay, like these secondary, like main these characters. secondary main characters who like they do have very minuscule problems in the whole like. In the well, obviously, like the guy with the two guys that are dying of cancer have like that, the biggest problems. Yeah. <laughs> so we have Donnie, who used to be like a child prodigy, whiz kid, a Donnie. whiz kid. I can't remember his last um, name. Unfortunately, like he did very well when he was a kid, but his parents like exploited him and used his money. So he, we pick up with Donnie. He's an adult. Um, he's kind of has some bad habits. He just got fired. He just gets he gets fired. He crashes his car. Oh, into a and let's talk store. about. Paul Thomas Anderson putting Alfred Molina again in one scene. <laughs> Beautiful use of oh, Alfred yeah. Molina. And then we have, he's also a homosexual man um, who's in love with a, like he wants to get braces 
because he wants to attract the bartender who has braces. Well, we don't know that. And then when he gets fired from his job, he's trying to deplete his case to stay. And he's like, I need the money for my surgery. And they're like, what surgery? He goes, my corrective oral surgery. And they're like, your teeth are fine. And he's like, no, I need braces. And they're like, what are you talking about? He wants to attract this other man with his braces and i looked at anthony i was like i was told not to kiss another person with braces when i had braces but i don't think it's the fact that like he, he wants no, to I kiss think... him with braces it's the fact that he maybe that that can form a connection between the also, two also sometimes i feel like this is a very common thing um when you like someone so much you're not sure if you want to be with them or be them do you know what i'm saying i have never experienced that but go on that's like I mean, it's like... Or do you want something in common so that you have something to maybe connect with? I feel like in the words of our prophet, um, Little Nas X, I want to F the ones I envy. I envy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now I get it. I'm on board now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, uh, I always go for the people who are out of my league. I want to be with the people I envy. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to be him. I want to be with him. braces? No, he's an attractive man. It wasn't Uh, about braces at all. It was about wanting to be him. He has braces and he's attractive. If I wear braces, maybe I will be attractive or attractive to him. I get it. uh, Little Nas X. (laughs) A prophet. uh, The real prophet. So he goes through this plan to steal from his employer well okay so first he spends a lot of time at the bar where he runs into yeah the grandpappy he runs into granddad from the luck of the irish yeah but granddad in this uh not irish i'm gonna keep calling him granddad um granddad in this is a not irish and b talks in like riddles the entire time he has conversations where he's like He's like, don't confuse children and angels. I'm like, dude, I don't know what the fuck that means. No, I know what it means. But Stop if I was you rhyming, like, hammered, man. If I was hammered, I would have no idea what that means. Like, Donnie is absolutely blit- like blitzed at this point. And yeah, this guy's for, talking in riddles he asked to for him. a tequila. The lady said, what kind? And he said, I don't care. And I was like, Ugh. I feel like Donnie gets drunk really quick in that bar, too. Like, he, he has, like, a long island. Well, he's, and... like, a very skinny man. Like, William H. Macy is a very small man. Yeah, I know. But, like, just having, like, one long island in a shot is um, not... Do you remember when I had one long island? Well, okay, that's a different case because... And I turned into a absolute human slinky. That's a different case because that was at one of the bars at the college we went to where <laughs> they specialize in these mason jar filled long islands that were delicious and... They would just get you completely hammered after like one. one, one. Like blacked out after like one. Oh man. And we had gone downtown to like watch a concert mm-hmm. and Anthony was like having to hold me up. I was like, yeah, we got to go. <laughs> <laughs> but we've had some fun times. I mean, there are, there are pictures. So like our, my, my, uh, one of my very good friends who's one of my best men, um, my friend Dom, he, uh, was my former roommate in college and, uh, a bar going buddy and we um like he has pictures of me like where i'm holding a long island at that bar and there's just no life in my eyes like you know when like somebody gets 
blacked out drunk and it's like you can just tell by their eyes there's like nothing there there's nothing there there like there are pictures he has pictures of me (laughs) like take like posing with one of our other friends and there just being no life in those (laughs) eyes and i i blame the long island oh that's fun so he at the end like he's he gives them like he can't take the like he kind of like second guesses himself like why did i do this and he like starts to climb up a building and then another character who is a police officer they all, they all combine their stories um, after a while another character who's a police officer goes to like stop him but that's when the frogs start raining from the sky they hit him in the face he falls down and he's gonna need dental he surgery because yeah. he's bleeding from his mouth i'm like oh you know it all comes back around everything happens and for a reason right? that's donnie he's it's a pretty minor character like progression i, I think donnie his whole reason for being in this movie is to perpetuate that theme of exploitation of children by adults because then you get it with the the little boy which you I get forget. it with the little boy and you also get it with jimmy and claudia too jimmy gator and claudia which we find out later in the movie that's ex- definite exploitation of children by adults but definitely with stanley too so stanley and the new child prodigy the new whiz kid um dad's pretty like as we start off with he's trying he's trying to exploit stanley for money he wants stanley to work and do this tv show so that they can win money and what i felt was absolutely despicable all the parents for the kids who are on tv are in this back room and talking about how to keep the kids in line um tell them they can't go out like the dad said slight abuse subtle abuse subtle abuse so that they you know they stay in line and i thought I, i was like i didn't say anything at the time when we were watching it but i was like this is like a real a real problem with parents like the subtle abuse thing like parents like sometimes subtly abuse their children like Mm -hmm. it's not like you don't have to hit your kid for it to be abuse like oh yeah yeah using your child as your because it's dad's going on auditions dad obviously wanted to break into acting acting, show business but he doesn't have that ability so he's relying on his kid who you know just wants a supportive parent he's he likes learning the kid likes to learn mm-hmm. but we get him he's pushed I, I think the most disgusting part of it for me is like it's the end of a like it's coming back to they're gonna go live and stanley looks at like the lady who's supposed to be on set who's supposed to be like responsible for him and like make sure he's taken care of she says he's like i have to go to the bathroom and she's like stanley you can't go to the bathroom we're gonna come back from commercial break and he ends up like peeing himself and i'm and I'm, they, they don't even do anything to like they kind of like fix it yell at him a little yeah bit. they chastise him for it and they don't even give him like a chance to go change or clean up it's just back to the show and he's kind of like and then they give him shit because he doesn't want to participate anymore because he, like, he just peed himself. Like, he he breaks at that po- point where he's like, I'm not doing this for you guys anymore. Like, all I had to do was go to the bathroom. I think that was, like, the, the straw that broke the camel's back. And I'm like, it brings me back to, Mike, my, my own teaching practice. Like, when you become a teacher, 
like we have the bathroom breaks built into the day and you kind of like kids sometimes have to go to the bathroom a lot and you're like no no sit down sit down no bathroom we just took a bathroom break but now i like look i like have conversations with the kids i'm like because they know their body best right and i said can it wait the five minutes till we take our bathroom break as a class or is it an emergency you can pee your pants it's like because if it's an emergency just go First graders are a little bit different than high schoolers. But like he regard. was like a middle schooler. Like he knew he was going to pee his pants. Yeah. Like I, he I'm, knew he I'm was going to pee his pants. I'm thinking of something that I literally just went through today with my freshman students where a kid asked to go to the bathroom and then um, I saw him through the window of my room walk the opposite way of the bathroom. And so I walked out of the room and I was like, where are you going? And he knew he got caught wandering like he was going to wander around he wasn't going to the bathroom he was going to wander around and um i was like where are you going he's like the bathroom i was like the bathroom's the other way where were you going he's like i got lost i was like that's bullshit <laughs> i was just like that's bullshit get in the classroom i was like that's truancy you're happy you're lucky the dean didn't catch you with that i was like you that was ditching class and um I wrestled with myself for a little bit and I didn't say anything, but I was like, do I eliminate go like, do I just say, get, get your bathroom breaks in during your five minute passing period. But as a, like, as a, but like I a, can't do that as because, a student who like as a female student, exactly. That's like, what I was thinking about. I, there's been times where mm -hmm. like, I once got told because I'd always for a week out of every month. I would go to the bathroom at the same time at the same class. And it got to the point where my teacher didn't want to give me any more time to go. And I looked her in the eye and I said, it is that time of the month. I was like, and this is the time that I need to change everything. Get used to it. I was like, I, I'm like, I don't have time during passing periods. I was like, the bathroom is out of the way. And, and that's what I thought about when I was wrestling with, do I eliminate you know, no more going to the bathroom in my class. Go in your passing period. But that's unfair to the female students who, you know, might need to go. You know, it's an emergency. Like I have like I have to take care of this. And I don't want to like I don't want to deal with that. So now it's just being vigilant on uh I just don't where want... the kids like where the kids are and if they have a pass. I had a couple of accidents in my class this year. Not because like sometimes first graders don't know they're going to pee themselves. Mm -hmm. Like they think they can hold it and they can't. And I try to not to make a big deal out of it. Like one of my students, um, he peed his pants, and, but and it was all like in his chair, but like no one knew because he just, you know, he, he's like, and he like whispered it to me and I was like, okay, I'm like, I'm going to get some paper towels. I whispered in his ear. I'm like, I'm going to get some paper towels. I'm like, I'm going to want you to sit on the paper towels so you can soak it up. And then we're going to tie your jacket around your waist and you're just going to walk to the office and it'll be fine. And that's exactly what we did. Can I ask you a question? And you can say, I don't want to answer this on the okay. podcast. When was the last time you peed your pants? When was the last time I peed my pants? Um, have you, well, I'll, let me put it this way. I don't think for a very long have time. Have you peed your pants in your adult life? No. Me neither. Me neither. And I'm wondering, like, how common it is for, like, adults to pee their pants. I've almost, I was, I've almost, I've peed, almost my, peed my pants. Because 
I'll, I've, I'll, I've been able I'll, to hold it. I'll d- divulge this. I drink a lot of coffee. Like one of the reasons I stopped drinking mm-hmm. coffee at home. Yep. Before I do, like Anthony makes coffee for us. I appreciate him in the morning, but on my way Which to work, you got to start telling me if you don't want me to make you coffee because then I make too much coffee and I have to throw it out. But like at one point, I was like I had gone draw to the drive i have to pee so bad i get to the parking lot i hop out of my car i race to the door and it's like it's seven seven o'clock is when by our contract they have to open the doors for us but they didn't open the door until like 7 20 so for 20 minutes i was texting my union rep i was like i'm going to pee myself i was like and if i pee myself i'm not working today i'm Mm -hmm. going home i was like i'm not being embarrassed today because like they are not here to open the doors i was like this isn't poor planning on my part i was like i got here at my t- the time and i was gonna make it i was like that was the closest i've come to in my adult life to pee yeah. myself. um probably the closest i've come to was when we went when we were in college and we were coming back from the bar and we were taking a bus from the downtown to uh back to the frat house where i lived and I was like, I like, I'm like, I, I gotta go so bad. And we ended up making it, but it was deadly close. And I bring that up because, not just because I wanted to tell funny stories, but <laughs> because if it, would you be embarrassed if you peed your pants? Yeah. Yeah. For adults, it's embarrassing. So you can only imagine, like, as a teacher of first grade students where it happens, like, more commonly than, like, an older kids, like, I try to minimize the amount of embarrassment that they feel by just being, like, very nonchalant. Like, I don't make a big deal out of it. I was like, I just tie the sweater on their waist, send them on their way. They sit and they wait for their parent to bring them new pants. Like, it's not a big deal to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I deal with it. This is um, an everyday occurrence. This is, a, this is like an everyday occurrence for me. But as like me, myself, I'm like, I should have better bladder control. But sometimes like you just don't have access to a bathroom. And f- women, we have it even more like we can't mm-hmm. just like whip it out and go. Well, we can't whip it out and go either. But, if it, was an, but like, if it was like an emergency, <laughs> but if it was like an emergency, you could go behind a dumpster and like go just don't get caught just don't get caught because then you'll be in some trouble but like (laughs) with us it's like no you gotta like it's a whole ordeal Mm -hmm. so we have those two characters donnie and stanley um the next like kind of minor character would be philip seymour hoffman's character Uh, yeah i guess he's minor he's the only really likable character in the movie so i guess we should talk we should talk about this and the kid um (laughs) tell the kid um so I guess we should talk about this subplot too because some stuff's going to connect here is Philip Seymour Hoffman's character Phil is a nurse and he's taking care of Earl Partridge who is a producer for the television show that Stanley is a part of the quiz show that Stanley is a part of like he created the show um so Earl Partridge is old and he has brain and lung cancer and he's like dying. He's in hospice care. They tell us that the 
you know, they don't know if he's swallowing, the morphine pills aren't working, so, like, they need to take next steps. Well, if they give him liquid morphine, he's going to be in and out of consciousness. And he tells his nurse, Phil... To find his son. To That is his dying wish. He wants to reconcile with his son. Or he wants to see his son one more time. So Phil makes... It's the whole movie of him trying to get in contact with... Uh, with, with Earl Partridge's son, Jack, which we later find out is Tom Cruise, who goes by the name Frank Maxey. Um, Frank Maxey is a, like, uh, how do you describe him? <laughs> how do you describe him? He's a douche. Like, he runs seminars and he's like kind of famous and he it's writes like, books about um, like how to get women uh, there's what is it called it's like the game it's, you ever hear of the game i can't remember who wrote it but the game is like a book about tricks and tips on how to pick up it's, women it's that, like peacocking and, yes yeah. i was like it's that thing where men think being mean to women will make women like you negging that's what it's yeah, called negging. negging i'm like I gotta, it's like if you mess with me I will punch you yeah. in the mouth. But this is like a very extreme version of that where they're like, he's eight he, days after you yeah. talk to her, then you message her. Yeah. And he's like, you're only there for sex. You're not there for friendship. You're not there for anything else. Like, don't have a relationship. And I wrote it. down like in my notes, I was like, this character believes that men and women can't be friends. He's an incel. Yeah. Well, not really an incel because he's like trying to teach people how to have sex, but it's like the start of like that men's power stuff, you know, like men, men's rights. Gross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that Parks and Rec episode with men's rights? Oh, it's funny. Um, but that's a conversation for our Parks and Rec podcast uh, later. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fun. Oh, Andy, shut up. That'd be fun. Um, anyway, so Tom Cruise leads like seminars about uh talking to ugly men about how to pick up girls and he's very vulgar i'm not going to repeat the stuff that he says he says my pp is a gift or like accept worship my pp yeah don't let women have power over you is what he's saying which i say we we do, the fact that you are trying so hard means that we have power oh, yeah. over you oh yeah oh, like yeah. we are we are your overlords <laughs> Um, so he's leading like this seminar and this was another criticism I had of the movie and like the pacing of the movie oh, is too long. Oh my God. These seminar scenes were way too long. I feel like Paul Thomas Anderson filmed Tom Cruise giving a legitimate like hour and a half long seminar. I would believe that Tom Cruise <laughs> in character gave a seminar for probably like, hours. Oh yeah. Um, and I think they just like let him go run the seminar and I thought those seminar scenes were, like, kind of long. They could have been cut down. There's a reason why this movie's three hours long. Because I feel like... PTA lets these scenes go. I feel like he didn't cut down anything, which I think that was a mistake. Cause it, it and that would have long. been a studio thing to do where it's like, hey, this is running a little long. You should probably cut it down a little bit. And because he had final say in the editing room, he cut nothing down. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all the directors cut. Um, so... Tom Cruise is, you know, hosting the seminar and, uh, he gets like interviewed. He, he by gets interviewed. Yeah. So he gets interviewed by, um, this woman, this uh, woman journalist. And she, throughout the like 
second hour of the movie, like the second act of the movie, she's like breaking him down. She's like getting at him because they start off the interview and he's like very charismatic and he's like in character almost like this is a character that Frank Maxey is portraying. Like, How are you close to your mom? Yeah, it's, it's my mom and all this stuff. And then she kind of is like, well, I, I heard. Well, there was other stuff too where she called him out because he started saying he was he majored in psychology he was very close to getting a master's from this university and then she was like we don't have any record there's of you no there. record of you and so he backtracks and he's like no official records of me like i had a very some very nice professors that let me sit in their classes and she's like that's bullshit and that's the first time he gets caught up in that web of lies for that portrayal of his character and then she goes at him with her, his mom. His mom has passed. And that's where you can see, as soon as she mentions his mom... He shuts down. He... he Well, he shuts down. He gets he goes from charismatic and loose in the interview to defensive and closed. And that's where that body language changes. And I think that's where Tom Cruise earned his, his Golden Globe. So, when she starts breaking him down, he just shuts down and he gets very defensive and then he gets starts getting some calls because phil is trying to reach him and trying to get a hold of him somehow so he could say so goodbye can, to his dad yeah so he can say goodbye to his dad and he ends up going to the house and having a very emotional kind scene. of saying like i hate you i hope it hurts um and we get like that explanation from earl he's like well i cheated on his mom he, well, she, he, the whole thing was mom was sick and I wasn't there. So 14-year-old Tom Cruise character had to take care of his mom and, like, watched his mom die. Like, he recognizes that he was the problem. Yeah. It doesn't make it better, but it's easier to, you know, like, with a, a child facing a dying parent to reconcile their emotions of being sad that their parent is dying even though that their parent wasn't a good person. Mm -hmm. And Earl gives the, before this, Earl gives this big, like, monologue about regret. And I think that's kind of what the movie's, uh, a little theme of the movie is, too, is, like, the past comes back, like, the pa you're done with the past, but the past isn't done with you. The past always comes back to bite you in the butt. So, like, the regrets that you might have in your life, you have an opportunity to reconcile them. Forgiveness isn't always about you know letting bygones be bygones like forgiveness it's accepting responsibility it, yes. for what you did wrong mm -hmm. and we can see that with a couple characters we can see that with this we can see that with uh jimmy gator who um the, the revelation at the end of the movie is like him dealing with his regret but also like trying to seek out that forgiveness and not getting it you know like his wife and we'll get to jimmy gator well, let's minute. let's let's bounce into Jimmy, Jimmy and his daughter. Okay, because those are like, and we could probably cover um, the cop, the cop as well, John C. Riley, and that who would, I hate. He's the worst. John character C. Riley's character is the worst. Let's cover him first. Is oh, the yeah. worst character in this movie. He is a bad cop who abuses his power. Is an abuser. He goes into this woman's house with knowing he's attracted to her, and stays overstays his welcome. Because he wants in her pants. Yes. So, okay. Let's begin where we meet John C. Riley's character, Officer Jim. And 
he we literally he meet we literally meet him as he's breaking the fourth amendment by entering this woman's apartment without a search warrant <laughs> and, and without probable cause and then he uh as he's talking to her he restrains her and ties her up which again is an abuse a massive abuse of power and he then pulls out his gun for no good reason and searches the house without a search warrant, which is super illegal. You can't do that. It's a massive abuse. We in, we are introduced to this character as he does like four different things that are abuse of power. And later when he meets Claudia, he's responding to uh, a, noise a noise complaint. And Claudia is... Jim- so, okay, we're, this is like Valentine's Day where we have to have the web... And Claudia is the daughter of the TV host who hosts the the game kid, the kid game show the kid game show that Stanley and Donnie were on that Earl Partridge is the producer on yes. or like the creator of and Jimmy Gator her his daughter Claudia they have an estranged relationship and, and she's kind of like addicted to drugs she's addicted to cocaine. she's in a not in a good place um so when he comes into our apartment she's like effed up like she's clearly on cocaine she's on cocaine she's jumpy but he's kind of like into her i think it's because she's attract she's an attractive woman yeah um, I, I totally loser. think officer jim was thinking with his dick yeah he's a loser he is a loser that's he's the worst character in this movie yeah blatantly because of his abusive power <clears throat> so he enters her apartment she lets him in that's fine but he, then like, he stays he stays he he kind of like makes her make him a cup of coffee. Yes. And it's like, okay, if you are a single woman. I would be very, and very And a police officer came into your house, overstayed their welcome, and then asked you on a date. Well, you would feel that you like irresponsible. You, you would feel like you had to go on that date. Yes. Fear of like. Something bad happening. Yeah. Like I'd be afraid that I was like something was gonna happen to me if i said no yeah this is a to- like it's a total irresponse and he says that too when he's about to leave and then he knocks on the door and he's like i feel kind of scummy for asking because i'm a cop but do you want to go on a date and i'm like yeah you freaking scumbag but she's kind of like, like she's messed that. up like she is fully into but he has like no idea that she's on coke and it's so clear. She's so she's like fidgety and fidgety and jumpy and like she left all for over like the a place. good like portion. She's going, yeah. She's always doing that. And, like the nose, her nose is always red. So like, I mean, it's pretty freaking obvious that she is addicted to the cocaine. A so, house cat, but we can to the forgive. Cocaine. I guess we can forgive Claudia because she's been through some traumatic stuff in her life. Yes. Um. What we find out later is so Jimmy Gator, the host of What Do Kids Know, the game he show, is dying. He's dying also of cancer, bone cancer. This is bone cancer, and um, he is like he collapsed during the game show. Well, he's like heavily drinking. He's also heavily drinking, which yeah. I think he's probably had a <coughs> substance abuse issues. Yes, that's her, a, that's to be assumed because at the end of the movie when he comes home and he's talking to his wife and he's kind of counting down his his time, he he, said, he, he gives spills the, he spills everything to his wife. And he kind of says I don't remember. Like Well, first of all, he says 
I cheated on you and like I did a lot. And, and the wife's like, she's okay. okay with it because he's dying. But she said, why does our kid hate you? Yeah. She's like, answer me this. Why does our kid hate you? And he's like, we, because we fell out. And she's like, no, I think you know why. And she doesn't know why, but she suspects that Jimmy Gator knows why. And Jimmy then says, she thinks I molested her. And I, to which I told Brian, we, we like, both like, you don't like, is that gaslighting? Yeah. She yeah. thinks I did that to her. She thinks I, how does, how, like, no, you I molested your daughter and she remembers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then he's like, I, I don't remember. He's like, I don't know if I did it. it. Indicating that he has substance abuse and he might've been drunk. And I think she's struggling with that. Because we get introduced to her at the beginning, and I told Anthony, I was like, she's like really, like, she's acting pretty crazy right now. And I thought to myself, I'm like, the only logical explanation for that reaction to your father is if he's your abuser. He's an abuser, yeah. Um, can we talk about the scene where Jim and Claudia go out on their date? It's a weird date. It's so weird. It's they kind of so like weird. sit next, they're like, well, let's be 100% honest. With each other. We're like, cut the shit. Cut cut the shit. We want to know everything. He's like, oh, I'm a loser cop. And I lost my gun today. And kind of down on himself. And she's like, you know. She, she, she well, she never says. She never she says. She never admits she to never him. She never admits anything to him. She's like, you're just going to hate me. Like, we're. Like, to which I brought up to Bree. I said, okay, it's our first date. And we're in a similar situation where we say, we agree, you know, no more beating around the bush. Like, let's be completely honest with each other. And then I'm addicted to Coke. And I said, this is our first date. I just met you. I was like, I wish you all the all the best. But you would dip. I would dip because it's the first date. We don't know each other. I think my, and I told her, I said, I think my first question would be, do you want to stop? Do you want to stop? But that's not, I don't want to, I guess it's like, it's not my emotional labor to help you quit. Mm-hmm. Like you need, especially to the, if you're just meeting yeah. We somebody. just met. I was like, you need to do that on your own, and I'll be here when you're ready. Yeah, but don't expect me to wait for you either, because mm-hmm. literally we we this is our first date. Right now, if it was like you were addicted to coke, would, and we're like I seven would, years into our relationship, I would help you and I would yeah. be there for you the whole time. But if it's our literally our first day meeting adios. each other, it's like no, sorry, you know there That's there's a like a million different people out there. Um. I'm trying to see. I didn't take too many notes here, but um, I'm trying to see if we, I mean, there's, there's a lot in this movie and I'm sure we missed some stuff. I have one more thing that I think I want to cover here. What do you want to cover? Um, the musical scene. The weirdest, the one <laughs> scene where I was like, and he's, and he thought, why not also it be a musical? Where everyone's singing the same song at the same time. It was so weird, and I remember watching it during even my the, first even watch. Earl, through. the like the guy who's like on death, the death. He's literally in and out of conscious on unconsciousness on morphine, liquid morphine, and oh, yeah. we didn't even talk about Julianne Moore's character, did we? I mean, no, we didn't. Oh man, Julianne Moore's character. Let me get it out of the way. Yeah, let's get that um, out of the way first, she, and then we'll go into the musical. She is dealing with her guilt and grief. Um, because she married Earl for his money. She didn't love him. She cheated on him 
throughout their marriage and as he's dying is when she's fallen in love with him well she goes to the lawyer and, and the, she she's like you gotta take me out of the will she's like i don't want the money i would feel guilty and he's and like i can't change the will we it, he, only he can change the will he's like you're gonna have to renounce the will and he's like but then who the money go to his next close of kin she's like oh he hates his son like they don't have a relationship no way mm-hmm. and she's dealing with the fact that she doesn't want the money but she doesn't want his son to get the money and she's going from doctor to doctor she's getting prescriptions you know she's she's going through like she wants to end her life and she's almost successful at ending her own life and i but think who saves her the little kid the little rapping kid yeah he steals but he also her. steals her money uh, she, <sighs> i mean she's gonna be coming into a bunch of money because yeah i guess but it's just I guess like he also he also stole uh, the gun. He took the gun, right? I think Julian Moore. Or did the worm take the gun? I think Julian Moore's character is really struggling with the fact that like she did she was in it for the wrong reasons, but then she fell in love with him, and now she doesn't feel good about herself anymore. Yeah, so she tries to overdose and. She the uh, paramedics come and then it starts raining frogs and like all that bullshit. It's crazy, um, but that's her like whole character story. Yeah, uh, Stanley's story ends. I guess we should talk about the ending of all of these characters' little individual so stories. So we have Stanley ends up telling his dad, "You gotta," but nothing seems to change. You gotta be nicer to me. Kind of like, like he stands up to his dad, but his dad doesn't seem like things are gonna change much because he had run away after the whole yeah. incident that and then we have earl dies earl dies also the doggies die one dog dies. one dog um, still upset about that uh, uh frank maxi uh, kind of reconciles with his dad before he dies um who are we julianne uh, moore is on her way to the hospital julianne moore's on uh, at the hospital <laughs> um officer jim helps out donnie and donnie kind of helps him put the money back and uh get his teeth you know he, he says like here's my card call me if you need anything which is good of officer jim because he sucks throughout the whole movie and he admits to claudia at the dinner I'm a laughing stock of... Uh, he does get his gun back at the end of the movie. Oh, yeah. The gun falls from the sky, too. Um, again, showing, like, it takes an act of God to, <laughs> <laughs> like, help out these characters. Um, shoot. Who am I forgetting? Um, There's just Phyllis so much. Seymour Hoffman's character. Yeah, he's fine. He's, he's just... Really move he, on to the he next. He moves on to the pro- So, okay. A little bit upset because he's a hospice nurse. He well, takes, yeah, takes that grief with him. That's something that we need to discuss briefly here, too, is you... <coughs> sorry for coughing. Um, Have a water. Nah, I'm good. Uh, there's this scene where Philip Seymour Hoffman's character administers the liquid morphine to uh, Earl and he it's a it's emotional like he starts crying and because he has like, a, he has a v- visible reaction because it's that. the end it's the end of that he knows it's life. the end but i said he doesn't even know him and anthony's like well that has to be a tough job i was like yeah i mean the only 
my mom said, Brie, you never would be a good nurse because you, you, all your emotions, you wear them right on your sleeve. And I was like, this is true. I was mm-hmm. like, I wanted to be a child's oncology nurse. And my no mom, way, my mom looked at me in the to. eye and she said, children with cancer, Brianna. Brie, children with cancer, I'm going to take you back to what I always take you back to. <laughs> Bree, when we watched Man of Steel for the first time together, Bree, Bree cried when Pa Kent got sucked into the tornado. I've seen Twister. <laughs> you were like bawling. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen, I seen Twister. That movie effed me up. Um, So, I, yeah, I got to imagine that like being a hospice nurse is such a tough and emotionally draining job we were talking the other day about compassion fatigue that's definitely a job where you would be suffering from compassion fatigue Mm -hmm. i can't imagine how you do that where you just are you're around death every a couple of days like every patient you have like you know you're the person leading them out like you're the person overseeing their death and that's got to be such a heavy... I don't know why anybody does that. Like, thank God we, people, we do, it, people but do it. Thank God people do it. But just me, like, I would never be able to do that. And I can't understand why people would want to do that. So... um, Another... Uh, what's his face? He goes to shoot himself. Oh, yeah. Frog. Jim, Jimmy Gator, after his wife, like, dips out. After he basically admitted to molesting his daughter. Mm-hmm. Um jimmy gator goes to shoot himself but then when the frogs start raining down from the sky it breaks through his ceiling and hits the gun right before he's but about it to also shoot himself. starts his house on fire it also starts so we don't know if he died yeah i'm i'm betting he died yeah <coughs> and then claudia and the police officer kind of like they reconcile they too. reconcile and they get they like she smiles to- at the camera and the movie ends yeah, so it was an interesting movie. Again, I didn't particularly... Oh, can we go back to the musical? Sure. Oh, man, we didn't even begin to talk about the musical. I thought that um, upon my first viewing of this movie when I was in high school... Am I being punked? I was like, <laughs> I have no idea what I'm watching right now. I don't know why this is in the movie. This is so weird and out of place. And I thought, again, at, on my second viewing, I'm like, man, I haven't watched this movie in a while. Maybe I'll understand it more. No. Uh, and now that I'm a bit older and more mature. Nope. I don't no. understand. I looked at Brie and I said, this is the most confusing thing about this entire movie is the choice to do a musical number. <laughs> the, uh, the, the song. And all the characters get in on it. I don't understand why it's in there. Me either. It was a very weird is strange and i have to admit i brought up to brie and i was like maybe like the night like it was a thing in the 90s was that a 90s thing they have like musical numbers i don't know they tried to pull some shit like that in 2022 like the the academy would laugh in your face the academy would not have any of that i just think it was very weird yeah. And, but this whole movie to me this whole movie is weird um felt weird and it's not i guess like i i told anthony i was like maybe it's just me and paul thomas anderson are not like two people who gel like i just and that it could be and i was like we as his style is just not my jam yeah i was like because these movies are long 
I think they're boring. They're I've, shot very well. Like, there's a lot of scenes that I noticed, especially when they're in the game show studio. But someone please tell Anthony, just because a movie is shot well does not mean it's a good movie. No, there's a lot of things that make a movie a good movie. I I don't think just because you think... And I, I think the story is boring, too. Just because we think the story is boring, that doesn't automatically mean it's a bad movie. That just means it's not for you. But there are things that make it appreciative is the way that it's shot. Like I noticed that there's a lot of uh, behind the back following scenes, like through hallways, like one shots, like Paul Thomas Anderson's one shot scenes are filmed so beautifully. I don't even, I don't know how to interpret why he does so many of those, but um, I love them. I love watching them. The booty. I love watching them, but I, I love to see you go. <laughs> I hate to see it go, but I love to watch it leave. Yeah, that's what it is. Um and they're they're very interesting to watch and I think that they're beautiful to see and and to watch that filmography or that uh cinematography play through is really really nice. Lighting I thought was great in the movie. Um I thought the performances were great, albeit Julianne Moore over the top a little bit. Overall, I think the directing is great. It's the story that gets me and the musical scene. But um, but if the story for the movie isn't good, it's, then I it's think, not a good movie. I think I know what PTA was trying to accomplish here. I just don't think this was the correct I think format he would have, for him. I think he would have benefited from someone telling him where to cut, where to trim the fat. It could have been a better movie for me to watch, mm-hmm. at least if someone pacing was, could have been better. At the that pacing point. was a struggle for me. Needless to say, this does not make my yeah. top one hundred movies. <laughs> and we, you know, we talked about this too. Like sometimes we just don't mesh well with directors, and maybe you're. I, I'm hoping that your opinion might change a little bit with Punch Drunk Love because it's a little bit more pal. It's way more palatable than Magnolia. I knew you weren't gonna like Magnolia, and he made me watch it anyway. <laughs> I knew you were going to think it was too long and boring. Um, and I, I don't disagree with you. I don't particularly like Magnolia, but I can appreciate some of the better aspects of the movie, like the performances and the cinematography and the lighting and the directing. But um, I think... Me no likey, me no likey. Know, <laughs> we, we've talked about not meshing with directors. I'm the same way with Michael Bay. Where it's like I really want to like Michael Bay, but I just it like it, it just doesn't hit for me. Rob Zombie is the same way. I really want to like Rob Zombie, but it just doesn't hit. Um, so sometimes that happens, and we got two other Paul Thomas Anderson movies that we're gonna go through, and maybe your opinions will change. You've already seen The Master with Philip Seymour Hoffman and Joaquin Phoenix. You've already seen There Will Be Blood. You did not like either one of those. <laughs> You thought they were too long and boring. <laughs> there's being a theme here, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Methinks this, there's a theme here. I feel like I'm going to be very excited for when we see Jurassic Park in theaters because like I'm going to want to cut all of I'm I'm going to want to cut all the melodrama of Magnolia with some fun. Um well we're coming we're coming off of Beetlejuice. Yes, and next week will be Edward Scissorhands. And next week is Edward Scissorhands. He was like some really short, mm-hmm. entertaining movies that I've curated for you viewers. Yeah. You're so freaking welcome. I, I wanted to leave our conversation with um, 
to to assure you that I'm not like defending the movie too much <laughs> because it doesn't hit for me. It's not my movie either. I thought I thought it was way too melodramatic. Oh gosh! Oh, my God! I every character, every character, like uh, sobbing and like yelling about nothing. Uh, I think one of my biggest criticisms of the movie is A that lot to talk about nothing. Exactly. What you're when you write a movie or you tell a story, it's like, is this a story that needs to be told? That's that's how you always have to base it off of. Is this a story that's interesting and needs to be told? And I don't think that this was a story that necessarily needed to be told. I like, would agree. Like if Magnolia was never made, the world would be the same place. Or even better. <laughs> a better place. And I'm not saying that like I'm defending this movie all that much. I said I I, I'm saying I I can appreciate some of the choices that Paul Thomas Anderson made, but also some of the choices I just don't get, and they don't mesh well with me or or you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, it was not my favorite. So Anthony, yeah. I have to ask you: Does it make your top 100? No, it does not. Because <laughs> you could only pick one. Uh, this is not it. I already picked. Not that guy. I already picked Beetlejuice as my. Top, top 100 for, from, for Burton for Burton I don't know if a Paul Thomas Anderson movie will make my top 100 and so our next two Paul Thomas Anderson movies are Punch Drunk Love and we're both going to be on our first viewing this is the first time we're going to watch a movie for for the first time on the review podcast we're not reviewing it we're just viewing it um is Licorice Pizza because I've been wanting to watch that and um he's been begging yeah, and you even said that you would have been interested in. in I, there is that. some controversy that and surrounds I'm sure we'll licorice pizza. It. Yeah, um, I'm sure we'll discuss. Which you it. can't watch licorice pizza and not address the anti-Asian like <clears throat> criticisms. Yeah, because it's important to recognize that as we walk as we go into yeah, watching. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll cover that, but that's going to be in the next few weeks. So. Um, why don't we wrap it up, Bree? I hope you enjoyed this um, episode with us. Um, you can always find us on Instagram at review underscore pod. Um, you can follow us. Fo well, no. Not us. Follow <laughs> Anthony on Twitter. At GLDTV1. And for getting a hold of me, the best way to do that would be to write it in the sand. And I'll get back to you as soon as I can. You know, the best way you can reach Brie actually is you have to make a rap uh, and wrap it to a cop about everything about Brie's life. And then, and then you have to will, find her. No, and then frogs will fall from the yeah. sky, but one of those frogs will have a little piece of paper tied to its leg. And that little piece of paper will have my GPS coordinates on it. And you can get a hold of me that one, way. One day, one of our listeners are actually going to find you. And, you know, they're not going to explain how they did it because, you know what, Brie? Sometimes things just happen. Sometimes things just happen. And that's what and, life is. Okay. Last thing about this. As I've reflected on Magnolia for a little bit, I have to think about that theme that I appreciate more of coincidences and being at the right place at the right time. Like, sometimes things just happen. Or the happen, wrong place. Or the wrong place at the wrong, at the wrong time. But... I like to be a half glass full kind of guy. Um, being at the right place in the right time. And I reflect Well, I guess you've on, never been that one guy in the scuba suit who gets yeah, in yeah. the tree. So <laughs> right. I was wrong place, wrong time. Um, 
being in the right place at the right time and things the universe kind of putting things together in a random way that lead us to where we're at do you think that we met and it was destiny i do believe so do you think that it was just a random set of circumstances that I led us to i don't know meet because each other anthony and i met so we had met on a dating app and he had asked me out and but i deleted the dating app promptly after that and we never talked again and then not a couple weeks later we meet again at a party but you got to think about it if and we were attracted to each other if both time. i had <laughs> if i had maybe taken two more shots before going to that party we like we might not have met i might not have even gone i think there yeah. was like a point where i was like i don't even know if i'm gonna go if if i had fallen asleep if i had overeaten if, if I, I went had, home that weekend yeah i mean there could have been a lot of it's movies and i think this is something that i can appreciate off of magnolia is that it allows me to reflect on this and say was it just something that happened and a random set of circumstances that led us to to be where we are today i, I think it's fake because i want to believe that you are my true love yeah let's go with that <laughs> yeah fuck you pta we uh, uh it's fate it's not um things just happen no i love you paul thomas anderson i'm and giving i'm trying to play footsie with him under the table but he's not my feet don't quite reach i'm expressing my love to paul thomas anderson <laughs> <laughs> um anyway we should just yeah we should wrap before it we get into existentialism yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um okay well uh brie thank you for being here and thanks for having i know me. this wasn't your cup of tea of it a wasn't movie, but, but you know what hopefully I, I the next through. one's better i just push through every single time yeah yeah so thank you for being with me and thank you for listening to us you can always find us on um apple Podcasts, on spotify, spotify and google Podcasts. so give us a review and give us a five star uh little little thingy there and uh listen to me really, talk <laughs> we really appreciate that so um we'll be back next week with Edward Scissorhands. Edward. Edward. All right. Let's end it. Bye.